Today we explore community and why the church community in particular is so important in the life of a disciple of Jesus. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. It's difficult enough to go through this life without attempting it on your own. We were created to live in community with others. Now it may not always be pretty and sometimes it gets downright ugly, but God created us to live in fellowship with Him the center. And it is beautiful when the bride of Christ is in harmony. Now, we talk a lot about communities, both in the world at large and in the church. And I know I often use that word and think about the church as this extended community that is so important. But as often as we talk about community, we struggle to live in them well. So today we want to kind of explore that idea of community a little more and why it's so important. And I think it's important on multiple levels. It is important for us as just as people, and we'll look into that a little bit, but it's also important for us as Christians, as people who are following Jesus. One of the things that Jesus did and is still doing is building his church. And his church is a community. It is a group of people. Uh, It is the ones who are called out. So for whatever reason, he really loves communities, and particularly this community. But we were also created, I believe, for fellowship, for community. So we want to consider, and we'll start with that, that bigger picture of the community just as humans that we require. So one definition of community that I found, and I'll leave a reference in the show notes for the article I found it from, but it says a community is a social unit wherein its members share a common network. Common networks that unite communities include networks of values, interest, goals, and kinship. And we'll stop there. And they they classify them into different kinds of communities, and we'll look at that in a second. But I like this definition because it does emphasize that it's a social unit. You know, it's part of our society. There are all kinds of communities across uh, society and workplaces. If you have a large enough workplace, you may have multiple communities within the same company. A smaller one, the community may be all the people who work in the same place. It can be neighborhoods. Uh, It can be schools and even within schools. There are all these different layers of society where we have common networks, where we have this common fellowship, a common reason to be united. And he gives a few things that often unite communities. Values is one of them. This is often something that we see in the political arena. Right now, we have a lot of division, but one of the things that divides people is their values. So the thing that divides some people actually unites others. We have networks of people who have values that are similar. They have interests that are similar, that unite them. So the communities, it's interesting because the same things that in, in one group of people, it's what ties them together, can be what keeps that community from being able to get along with other communities. Our values are one of those that we often place a high priority on. I 
just in the word. I value these things. They're important to me. And if it's important to me and it's not important to you, or even worse, if you devalue what I place a high value on, then we have problems. We're unlikely to get along well. Now, when you get into things like just interest, like hobbies, that can be something that ties a community together. Uh, when we were in Japan a few years ago and I was getting ready for a, a long run, I was planning to try to run 100 miles. As I was doing that, I found the running community in our city. And that running community was made up of all kinds of people. There were blue collar workers. There were people who worked at City Hall. Uh, there were um, homemakers, mothers who had kids at home. There were all kinds of people who were part of this running community and they're tied together by this common hobby. Uh, same thing, my uh, family has had a family band for several years in Japan. Well, the family band, it's music. So we, be, we got to know other people who were interested in music, who were interested in creative pursuits, and that, again, created a community. Now, the interests are usually not divisive communities. The values that we have, they can cause us to be divided from other people, but our interest, I didn't really find that they were divisive in most of the, most of the time when it's, I've been part of different communities who are tied together by an interest. They're what draw you together, but they didn't necessarily repel people. They may look at you weirdly. We had a running group that planned to run ultra marathons and really, really long runs, and people would look at us strangely, but uh, it wasn't that they were divided from us and are against us. They just didn't want to be part of what we're doing. The other one that he mentioned is goals. So we have communities that are tied together because of the things that they want to achieve. And you'll see this in politics sometimes. You have people who are united by the goals that they want to see. Uh, there are communities who are united by maybe a sport, which is kind of similar to an interest, but they have a, a goal of playing the sport, of winning. Um, there are goals to see certain things happen in the community, whether it's to see the trail system um, promoted and encouraged and maintained or uh, maybe it's something with the uh, natural resources in your area. There are lots of different things, almost anything. It's unlimited. There's different goals. If we see the need to be united with other people to achieve our goal that takes more than us, then it may be something that a community forms around. And then kinship. Uh, this can be uh, a lot of our family and extended family. Often there are parts of the country where extended family live fairly close together, and they form a, a kind of unique community, which can be different. <laughs> the kinship, the family communities can be really interesting because they can differ in values and interest and in goals, but they're tied together by blood. So they make it work, at least sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes they don't. But it's interesting how that works, and I think often the Bible talks about the church more in line of this kind of a family community. I think all of those are part of the church. We have, we're united by values, our interests, our goals, but also by blood, and it's the blood of Christ. We're tied together. So even when we have conflicting interests and we don't get along in some ways, we're still supposed to be family, and I think that's important for us to recognize. Now, this article that I was looking at says that there are different kinds of 
communities that we can, we can classify communities in different categories. And it might help us to, to think about communities. And some of these do apply when we think about the church community as well. The first one is communities of place. So here we're talking about location. And when we think of a local church, I think this is exactly what we're talking about. It is a geographic kind of limitation. You have communities of place all over the world, all kinds of communities. Even your local neighborhood is a community of place. It may not be tied together very well, may not have much fellowship, but it is a sort of community. Now, the local church does have a geographic limit. Now, what that is varies a lot depending upon the local mode of transportation. If you live in a culture where primarily people are walking to church, geographically, they're not going to be quite as spread out. Now, in North America, we get in a car and we'll drive for quite a ways to get to a church and past four or five other communities. So it is a community of place, but it's kind of a weird one. It's uh, maybe a broad place that that community covers and it overlaps with other communities. And it's, it's maybe hard to see the geographic lo- uh, limitations of that community, particularly when people are driving past other equally valid communities that they would agree with 100%, except they just chose to go to a different one. So that's one of the weird ones. We, we are communities of place, but uh, we have weird limitations in different places, and sometimes we maybe don't make the best choices when we think about how the church should be a salt and light in its neighborhood when the church really isn't limited to a neighborhood. Uh, we drive so far that sometimes we're making it difficult for the local church to do its job. Eh, a little side commentary there. Communities of interest. So all of those hobbies and things can draw communities together. Again, any kind of hobby, any interest that you have, there's probably a community that is based around that interest. The internet and the ability to communicate over long distance has created these they're communities, but I would say almost they're pseudo-communities. They've allowed us to get together in a way with people all over the world who have a similar interest. So sometimes it allows some of these interests to seem like they're really very popular, very common, but they're only common because they're easy to find on the Internet. They're not actually very common in any given city or any given locality. So communities of interest can be really local, can be really diverse, Uh, they're often fascinating. It's just amazing how minute some of these communities are focused on, just tiny niches of of life. Uh, One of the things in Japan that I thought was interesting that some of you may have heard of or may not, but I I thought was fascinating, there's a whole community of people who raise insects as pets. Uh, You can buy them in the equivalent of Walmart, and they'll sell everything from the containers to special food for them to even larvae for different kinds of beetles that you'll want to raise. There are books and videos that people teach how to raise these different beetles. There are all kinds of uh, photos and online communities where people post their picture, and there are local communities where people uh, get together and trade larvae and trade beetles, and uh, it really is just a kind of a strange little subculture, sub-community, but it's pretty large in a country like Japan. The next one that he talks about, the different category of communities, would be identity-based communities. 
And here, the way I'm thinking about identity and the way I understand it from uh, the way he's using it is kind of the way you see yourself. So for the church, we would say there's a sense in which the church is an identity-based community. I identify as a follower of Jesus. If you also identify as a follower of Jesus, then we're part of a special community. But it could be people who, as part of their identity and the way they think about themselves, they identify as, say, Scottish. Uh, So I have some Scottish ancestry, but not enough for me to identify as Scottish. If you had a group of people who were um, saying, hey, let's form a little community for people who are from Scotland, I probably wouldn't feel like that was my community, even though I do have some Scottish blood. Same thing. I have some Native American blood. I have, I'm not sure what the percentage is, but some uh, Cherokee Indian. I don't identify as a Cherokee. Uh, don't identify as an Indian. It's not enough of my background and my makeup for me to really connect with that very well. But If you go back a generation or two in my family, there are people who definitely look like Native Americans and might be much more ready to identify as a Native American, or at least with that community. Uh, Today, we have all kinds of different communities, whether it's the LGBTQ or there's a lot of... um, tension with racial communities, with uh, different cultures. In America, as we have people from other countries that come over, we often have these communities that build up in different larger cities where there's a group of people from Korea or from China or from Thailand or from you name it. If there are enough people there, they tend to like to get together with people who are like us, who we can identify with, who know our struggles and what we've been through and who we are. So identity-based communities can be very, very strong communities. The next kind is communities of need. So we get together because we need something and we can't get it on our own. So we need to work together. Often uh, farming communities, this is one of the things that draws them together. They're able to do things together that they struggle to do alone. So farmers work well together in many, many areas. This is a community of, of need and it just makes sense to help each other out when we need the same thing and we can do better accomplish more together. Communities of practice. So we're doing the same things in the same way. We are uh, one in the way we view the world and the way we live. So you might think of an Amish community might fit under something like this, where we have the same lifestyle. It makes sense for us to have a community. So there are different kinds of communities. And again, this is just thinking of the larger idea of community in the world. So why are communities important? Well, there are a lot of different reasons. I found the article on happiness.com, figured they should know the importance of community, right? And they say there are seven really good reasons why we need communities. The first one is for support and safety. So like to fight feelings of helplessness and hopelessness, Um, And also, just to support somebody else kind of gives us a little boost, and we feel better about ourselves when we're able to help somebody else. So this community can provide support. And in areas where it's dangerous to live in community, uh, provides safety. There's safety in numbers at times. 
Connection and belonging is really important for us. Just as humans, we need to be part of something bigger that can give our lives meaning and purpose. And this is something that so many of us struggle with. One of the reasons the divorce rate, uh, not the divorce rate, the suicide rate is high in many countries is because people uh, look at their lives and they just don't really know what the purpose is. What's the meaning? So being part of a community that has this greater purpose can really be valuable to the individual. Third is influence. And this maybe relates to connection belonging, but the influence of the community can stop us from pursuing unhealthy habits or unhealthy thought patterns, particularly if we're really ingrained in the community and they have a lot of influence over life. A good, healthy community, this is a good thing. Now, you can have a lot of these things to to a negative extent, too. You can have an unhealthy community that has an unhealthy influence, and they can encourage you to pursue unhealthy habits and thoughts. So part of the struggle is to be part of a healthy community, not an unhealthy community. Thinking about the church, we have... Uh, unhealthy churches where there is uh, gossip and where there is selfishness and a lot of things that drive the the lack of fellowship in the church and sin issues that tear the church apart. Well, this is a negative influence, but a healthy church where Christ is at the center and each one is looking to, to build the others up, uh, that can be a really good, healthy influence. But we do need that influence of the community Ideally, we pursue a healthy community. Sharing is something that they mention as being important. We need to share activities. There are things that we do better together. Uh, many communities, well, I guess every community, we, we do better with things like farming and growing our vegetables and our food as a group. You know, every family, and if you go back and in some cultures still, the family has to grow their own food. They have to hunt their own meat. Uh, they have to build their own house. They're doing everything themselves. What you find is that that's really difficult. If you've ever tried to do all those things, it's really difficult. And now imagine doing all of those things at the same time, all the time. So sharing activities, sharing the workload is a big part of community. Sharing ideas, uh, helping each other understand why something's good or bad or how to do something better. Uh, that can really help us. It adds worth and value to the community when we share what we've learned and when other people share what they've learned with us. So this idea of sharing knowledge, sharing activity is a big part of the importance of community. Learning, and very similar to the sharing, one of the things we share is the things that we've learned. So there are, are things we may not understand on our own or insights we may not reach without being able to bounce it off other people. So we need to learn what others have learned. And some of that's people who've gone before us. Some of it's the people who are learning alongside us. Uh, we learn from them and we teach them the things that we have learned. That's an important part of community. Uh, acceptance. And this comes maybe down to a, a felt need. We need to feel accepted. Understand that acceptance doesn't imply agreement. <laughs> you can accept somebody as a person and say, well, I disagree with what you believe or what you think or what you're doing, but you are still loved. <laughs> and I think we struggle with this idea today. People want to be agreed with and celebrated for every decision that they make. And that's just not, that's not actually healthy. And you can't do that. I, no one is going to agree 100% with you, no matter how good you are and how good your decisions are. You're going to make decisions that others are going to disagree with, and that's okay. 
We need to learn to live in community in spite of the fact that we don't always agree. And then the last one that they mentioned was uh, more connections means more chance of success. And that may be something simple like uh, a culture where you're having to do a lot of your food and uh, raising your own cows and things like that yourself. Well, maybe it's knowledge. Maybe there's an illness that goes through your herd and you just need knowledge to heal that. Somebody else has it. If you don't know them, you don't have that connection, you're less likely to succeed. For us today, often in business, if you're looking for a job, the more people you know, the more people you know in business, the more likely you are to have a chance of finding that good job and having that good reference. So connections make a difference in many, many aspects of life. Uh, We need connections. We need this network of people. So there are a lot of reasons why community is important. And again, so far, we've primarily been talking about just the world at large, your average community. Now, I have five reasons why we need the church community. And some of them are related to the reasons we've already looked at. And this is, a lot of this is from uh, a blog called Faith Island. And they had summarized this very well, I thought. The first one is it meets our basic need for belonging. And we've talked about this and some of our other reasons why community is important. We we do need to belong. We are created to belong to a group. And the church is a group that should be, ideally, focused on Christ. It helps us understand our our spiritual need. It is uh, really focused around truth and helps us to see the world as it really is, see ourselves as we are. And to understand that we belong not because we're awesome, not because we do great, not because of how we look. Now, all these things that can be negative, divisive things, that's not why we belong. We don't belong because of anything intrinsic to us. We belong to the church because of Jesus and what he has done. We're tied together by the Holy Spirit, not by our own work, not by our own knowledge, not by our hobbies, not by anything else that we can really put our hand on. It is Jesus that, dro- that ties us together. We're part of his family. So that, that basic need for belonging is met and met very well because you can't lose that thing. There are communities that are based around an activity. If you can't do the activity anymore, you're not part of the group. Well, that's not going to ever be true with the church. Second reason, a strong church community is a place where discipleship should happen. And by discipleship, we mean ongoing growth in our ability to follow Jesus. So I tend to think of discipleship as personally following Jesus, that process of being obedient to what Jesus has to say, and then disciple-making is helping someone else with that process of being a disciple, of discipleship. So a church community is a place where discipleship should be normal and natural. It should be built into the DNA of the church. We are naturally, normally, on a regular basis, pursuing Christ ourselves and helping other people to do it. And it's part of our community. We're tied together by Christ. We're following Him together. And as we're pulled in His direction, we're helping each other. So it is the natural place for discipleship to occur, a natural group of people that discipleship should occur among. Reason number three why we need the church community. Uh, We need a certain amount of accountability. And I mean that in a good way. And I think some people are really afraid of the idea of accountability. But what I mean is I see a need in my life to grow and to change, uh, to be making good decisions and to follow through. 
And often I need somebody to walk with me to do that well. So by accountability, I don't mean that somebody comes to me and tells me, Norman, I'm going to have you do this because this is what you need. I'm going to hold you accountable. That doesn't work very well. What works well is when I recognize, as I look at Scripture and I see something I need to change, and I say, hey, will you help me with this? And I have a, a couple of ways that work very well when we think about accountability. One is to pray for me, pray for each other as we're pursuing Christ. I, I have this one area I'm struggling with. First, will you pray for me? And then two, maybe there are uh, times in life where I know this is going to be difficult. Will you call me on Friday and ask me how I've done with this on Thursday? Or uh, will you meet me once a week to talk through this thing that I'm struggling with? There are lots of ways, but I have to be willing to invite that other person in. Accountability doesn't work, and I don't think it's biblical accountability. If we, you try to impose that on someone else, I need to invite that. Uh, I need to invite someone into my life to help me grow in Christ-likeness. Uh, that's my goal, and I do need that help. So the church community provides a group of people who can help us with accountability. Reason number four is we need to be fed a diet that will allow us to mature in our relationship with the Lord. So here we're thinking about, particularly this article is thinking about the preaching, the teaching that goes on in church. We need this strong commitment to God's word. We need to be learning it. And we learn it best, I think, in community, particularly as we're able to talk it over, to talk through the Bible as we read it. Now, sometimes we read it in isolation and a lot of weird theologies come from somebody just looking at the Bible, not talking to anybody else, and they just kind of imagine what they think that it means, instead of talking about it. And it's very helpful to talk through uh, as we read the Bible and uh, work through. What does it look like to live out what this says? We need that community, and I think everyone needs a small group. So you have a large church community, but you also need some smaller church uh, community that's going to help you to grow as a follower of Christ. The fifth reason that we need the church community, and this is maybe less of a reason, more of a why we, we just have to be part of it. It says we're, we're commanded by God to be part of a, a strong church community. This is the expectation that God has for us. He is building his church. The church is made up of believers. We are the called out ones. Uh, it's not a building. It's not a time and a place. It is a group of people who are committed to following Jesus. And there is no church without this group of people who commit to each other. And ultimately, what we're committing to is to Christ. We're committing to follow him and to put him first. It's, it's not easy. We go back to uh, the way we started today. It, it can be difficult to go through this life by yourself. But I think it's, it's almost impossible to go through without other people. Now, we often try to go through without a good, healthy community. We have hit or miss and try to fill in the gaps and get fellowship and encouragement and accountability and all these things from different places because our church is not healthy. We, we really do need healthy churches, and my prayer is that you will be part of one. Thank you for joining me. If you have questions or comments, feel free to contact me. Contact me on the Run With Horses Facebook page or write me at norman at runwithhorses.net. 
How's your church community doing at keeping Jesus at the center? I think that's really the question, right? We want to keep Jesus at the center. We want to pursue Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we want to help other people do that very same thing. So, hey, the struggle is real. It's never going to be easy, but whatever you do, keep running.